NBA season is upon us. My very good friend joins the show to talk championship and award predictions along with storylines across the NBA. Hello there. And welcome to another episode of Metroplex Mania. I'm your host, Shanavaz Makani. As always, Metroplex Mania is brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. I'm joined today by a very, very dear friend. Uh, Mr. Jay Shah has willingly come on Metroplex Mania today uh, on the uh, on the day of the NBA season. Jay, how you doing today, bud? Good, Sean. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Really excited for the start of the NBA season. Ready to talk some sports. Yeah, man, me too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I know we've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, I, and I feel like a lot of basketball fans have just because, especially with the condensed season last year, uh, you know, the things getting off to the, you know, a late start, um, you know, the season got pushed back from October to December. We saw a lot of teams not really ready for the start of the season. I think now we've got kind of for the first time in a few years, a full off season and full preparation for a lot of these teams and especially for the older teams, um, you know, coming into the league, especially the Nets and I think the Lakers as well, who, you know, is your favorite team. And, and we'll talk about them um, here shortly. Uh, you know, I think for, for teams like that, that are coming off injuries that are coming off um, really rough, you know, kind of rough endings to last season, having a full healthy off season and preparation um, with coaches, with their new teammates, um, you know, kind of getting ready and, and all culminating into tip off tonight with Nets and Bucks. Uh, you know, I, I'm really excited. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what the season brings us. Yeah, no, that's 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 a great point. Um, we saw a lot of injuries last year, last season on the shortened off season. Not enough time to to heal their bodies, do whatever off season workouts that they need to get done. It's kind of all rushed. Um, and so, hoping that the extended off season this year will definitely give more longevity to some of these older teams, especially like my Lakers. Um, some more uh, veteran based teams, but you see it a lot more because of all the, all the load management that's kind of normalized these days. There's no, you know, if you're playing back to backs to star players, just sometimes don't want to play or just resting them for realistically having the best record in the NBA or the Western and the Eastern conferences isn't as important as it used to be. A lot of it matters of just who's healthy at the right time. And, and you want to make sure your star guys are there for that. Yeah, and we saw it in, in the conference finals last year, right? I mean, if, if James Harden and, and Kyrie aren't hurt, I think we both agree Brooklyn wins that series against Milwaukee, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it would I think it wouldn't be too far fetched to say that I don't know, I think that series went six or seven. Um, if they had they had their entire roster of, of their superstars, I think that, that could have easily been a different outcome. And we saw it with your Lakers too, against the Suns, right? You're missing your second best player in, in Anthony Davis and LeBron's hobbled. And, you know, I, I think the second Anthony Davis was ruled out, you know, I remember we were talking about it and I was like, Phoenix is going to win the series. I mean, I, I the depth that, that the Lakers had last year, just, I, I think down the stretch just they really struggled and Phoenix went into the postseason incredibly healthy. Um, and, and, and you can't discount the leadership that, that Chris Paul brings to a young team like that. We've seen it time and time again, with his impact in Houston, even though they didn't make the finals, uh, but especially in OKC when everybody thought 
you know, that's a lottery team and, and here they are middle of the pack playoff team. I mean, it was, it was crazy a couple of years ago. The, the, you know, just, uh, you know, having a player like that of, of his stature and, and his, you know, really on the court coachability, um, what it can do for a young franchise. Yeah. And I think he really brings a lot of, uh, yeah, veteran leadership to that. It's a pretty young team they got down in Phoenix, but I think a lot of, a uh, lot of veteran grit and, and yeah, extreme, like extreme discipline and showing leadership and showing how these young guys kind of how to, how to maneuver and when, when, when and where they need to capitalize on the right moments. Um, but the, yeah, the Lakers, the Lakers did have, uh, have some injuries in the playoffs, but I think it actually stems a lot further because of the short off season. I think we had a lot of injuries throughout the season. So it wasn't enough time to, you know, get gel and get some good synergy together. That makes it really difficult for a team to take the next step when it gets to the playoffs, when you're just playing plug and plug and playing all these random guys who have not fully gotten a chance to play with each other and know when to make the cuts. And, you know, it's kind of the intangibles that you can't get without playing with a group of people for a decent amount of time. Yeah. I want to get to some key storylines, I think um, that we have going on, uh, you know, at the start of the season and and we'll get into, you know, kind of Lakers talk later. Cause I want to, I, I kind of want to, juxtapose Lakers and Mavericks with you since those are our two favorite teams um, and kind of where we think they end up this season. But, um, you know, one of the biggest storylines I think right now is everything that, you know, the fallout from today with, with this whole Ben Simmons issue uh, in Philly, um, you know, with him saying, okay, he wants a trade and, and all of a sudden coming back and um, ultimately deciding he's going to come back to the Sixers. And, and then, you know, my, my phone's blowing up, you know, during my meetings this morning uh, or this afternoon uh, that apparently got kicked out of practice and is now suspended for the first game of the season because, according to Woj and Shums, he didn't want to partake in defensive drills, and Doc Rivers asked him a few times, uh, and he flat out said no, and so Rivers just kicked him out of practice. You know, Philly, I, I never thought Philly was... I, I don't. I never thought they had the right pieces to win a championship, but, you know, with a guy like Joel Embiid, I mean, you can never discount them from going deep in the playoffs. How crucial is Ben Simmons to that team, do you think? Well, I think they're at a interesting point um, because it doesn't look like Ben Simmons wants to be there any longer. And the value that Ben Simmons once had is no longer it's gone. For, it's completely for gone. Like he's worth right. nothing now, right? What do you? What team is going to give up what Philly wants for him? Yeah, the last the last request was something like five first round picks and a star player in return. That just I've just never heard of anything like that in my life. Um, and and it, for a player that is very limited in half of his game, um, in a, in a in a shoot first NBA, I find it very difficult to get anything close to what you think the value of Ben Simmons once was when you drafted him. I don't get why he just won't learn to shoot. Like it, it seems like just, it, it's not a ridiculous ask. I mean, you're in the NBA, you've, you've got that. That's the game now, right? I mean, this isn't a, this isn't nineties basketball where you, you're just dunking and, and, you know, tearing people up down at the low post. I mean, you've got to know how to shoot. I, it, to me, it just, it's, it's always baffled me as to why he just does not want to learn. And by all accounts, he's done it in practice and sometimes, and, and there's been, you know, random Twitter clips of him shooting and, seems like he's worked on his form, right? I mean, we've seen people like Markel Fultz come back from terrible form and, and be able to have productive careers, uh, relatively speaking. I mean, I, I just, I don't get it. Why, I don't know if it's a personal thing or 
or whatever, but it's just, it, it, it kind of infuriates me that this guy's getting paid, you know, $150 million and, and won't learn a basic skill set that you need to succeed in today's game. Yeah. And as, as a kid, you pick up a basketball, you don't learn how to dribble or, or pass or, or how you can make defensive stops. You learn how to shoot before anything else. That should be an innate trait of a basketball player, I would imagine, especially given how the NBA is constructed right now. And you see all of these centers working on it on the offseason. You see Giannis has made some tremendous improvements, what it seems like from what I've seen um, on his jump shot. And and yes, you have players like Markel Fultz or Lonzo Ball, who had a had a very unorthodox or almost broken jump shot at some point. And, and they made great strides to kind of correct that. I don't know why Ben Simmons hasn't and or at least hasn't demonstrated in a real NBA game why he won't because you do see the videos of him shooting in practice and and making jump shots and it's not like his form or anything looks very strange he just chooses not to want to shoot the ball unless it's in a layup or dunk form yeah and and I just I I don't you know I I I've grown on Joel Embiid recently I I used to really not like him and that may be just biased because he went to Kansas and I'm a Texas guy, but you know, I've really grown on, on the improvement that he's made in his game. Um, you know, you can really tell the passion he has, especially during his press conferences and, um, things like that. But I mean, the last couple of days he's come out and said, he doesn't want anything to do with Ben Simmons. He doesn't care what happens to him. You know, it, that kind of dysfunction in an NBA team. It's funny. I was watching first take this morning. I, I believe and Michael Wilbon made a good point that, We've never seen that kind of dysfunction within a team, like a locker room that's actually worked. The only time it ever has is when uh, in the 90s with Dennis Rodman. And that's because everybody on that Bulls team said, let Rodman go do what he wants because we know his impact he has defensively on the floor. Nobody in today's NBA is going to let Ben Simmons just do whatever the hell he wants and and he's going to come back and, and things are going to be you know, hunky-dory and they're going to win an NBA title. It's, it's just not going to happen. And his, like you said, his trade value has gone so far down that I don't even know how they can salvage this. And this is Ben Simmons. This isn't a Kevin Durant or LeBron James or Luca or Giannis doing this. This is just Ben Simmons. And you're, you're not the best guy on your own team. And to demand all of this ridiculousness is, I think it's just, I don't know how the relationship with the Sixers has soured so badly, but it looks like it has. And I don't, Joel Embiid has always been a very loyal guy to his teammates. Mm-hmm. He, he hasn't really said much about the Ben Simmons thing until, you know, almost like the eve of, of the season. Uh, he kind of just kept out of the media, didn't really want to discuss it, hoped that he would come back. But, I mean, you know, on the eve of the NBA season and your, your, your number two guy is still not, you know, trying to take this seriously. I would imagine I would, I would be frustrated as well. And, and I, I, I side with Embiid. I mean, he, him and him and Simmons were supposed to build something over there. And it looks like they're kind of just going to be in, in a bad spot with until they can figure out what to do with that. And it's not like they have other bad pieces, right? I mean, Tobias Harris is overpaid, but you know, economics of the NBA and we've talked contracts and money a lot, you know, just kind of, you know, when we hang out, Mm -hmm. but you know, you have to overpay to get a guy like that, right? I mean, it's it's just market value. You know, everybody's you know half the players who sign these max everybody gets a max contract in the NBA now. It, yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, 
Um, I think Daniel Gafford just got like three years, 48 million. And I was like, I don't even know who this guy is. And I'm pretty sure he missed like half the year. (laughs) I'm going to have to Google him after this. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you overpaid Tobias Harris, but Shake Milton's not bad. Tyrese Maxey had a great year. Danny Green is Danny Green. Say what you will about him. But, you know, the guy's still a a very, you know, capable on-ball defender. Um, That's a team that, that, could cause some noise, especially with Embiid's inside out game, if you know, the way he's continued to improve it. But I just, this drama that hangs over that team and, and Doc Rivers terrible postseason career or coaching career is, is not, you know, I, I don't, I think it's just, it's going to be a really weird. And, and I think a pretty bad year for Philly. I think this is going to loom over them for, for almost the entire season until, or at least until the trade deadline, until they can figure out, you know, what, what they're going to do with Simmons. And, and the East has gotten pretty dangerous in that sense where you don't just have two or three teams and whichever team LeBron James is on out there competing. You have a, you have a bunch of like Chicago has made a huge haul in the off season and, oh, and yeah. they have a good young, healthy team with, uh, with some, you know, young veterans. We have, uh, we have Brooklyn, um, not exactly sure where to measure them, but you know, they still have, two of the three best players maybe in the NBA and they have Kyrie Irving situation in their hands, but they have a lot of veterans as well. You have Milwaukee, you have New York that has a lot of young upside Atlanta, uh, Boston even, I think, which is, you know, pretty slept on, but they have a good group of guys over there too. And, and in Philadelphia with the, with the, the yeah, I think the postseason coaching by doc Rivers really puts them at a disadvantage and, and when you don't have enough guys to rely on and you have Joel Embiid's health scenarios like he's not consistently healthy and you don't really have like a number two that could be a number one on that team so it's going to be difficult I think for them to compete in a in a pretty competitive east yeah other storylines in the Easter conference you you touched on Brooklyn uh, and, and I don't want to get too much into Kyrie's situation because I think you know, it's like everybody makes their own choice, right? If you want to get vaccinated, if you don't want to get vaccinated. And, and there's a political side to this that, that just has a place outside of outside of my podcast, at least. But, you know, his reasoning for for not wanting to play, it, it just it's a little confusing to me. And I don't know if, if you've if you have a different idea on this, but it's for me, it's like, you know, you're paid to like if we if you and I got $150 million raise at work, you know, and then just was like, okay, I'll, I'll come in whenever I want to, or like, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll make my own schedule, whatever we'd get fired like immediately. Right. I mean, there's right. no, there's no rhyme or reason for it. Um, Kyrie's the one who recruited Kevin Durant, James Harden to Brooklyn, right? He's the one who, that, you know, that kind of started that whole ship of, you know, whether the other choices were the Knicks or Miami or whoever else was in the running for them. But, Ultimately, they ended up in Brooklyn, and Kyrie had a major part to play in that because of the two max slots they had a couple of years ago uh, to get, you know, when when Kevin Durant and, and him were free agents at the same time. But now you're, you know, last year he took time off for personal reasons, whatever the reasons were. Now he's taking time off because he feels like the ant, the people who aren't getting vaccinated or the anti-vaxxers um, are not being represented enough. Uh, Kyrie is is more than a basketball player, I think. Any NBA fan knows that, you know, his philanthropy, his generosity off the court. Um, 
I think there's some political aspirations there as well. But what's your take on on the whole Kyrie situation? To me, to me, honestly, it's frustrating because I, I, you know this guy brought two of the top five or six NBA players with them, and, and it feels like he's kind of bailing on them. That's yeah, that's a great way of describing. It. I, I just the whole situation is just very frustrating from every from every angle that you look at it. If I was a teammate of his, if I got if I was Kevin Durant, I would be infuriated that I left whatever I had left, whether that's the decision, if it was because he wanted to team up with Kyrie, whether it wasn't, you kind of feel a little abandoned. I know can't really put injuries on a person. I mean, but I'm sure he's still probably upset that he, you know, didn't have this full fleet of guys with them last year. Now you have Kyrie that's holding out, doesn't want to come. You're having the whole disenergy now with your teammates. Steve Nash can't coach the way he wants to coach. You built a whole game plan for all of this and and now you have to you have to audible last second it's it's just a frustrating thing to watch i mean i understand Kyrie wants to be the voice of the unheard and and i know he wants to take basketball as more than just you know a sport and use it as a as a forum but at the end of the day we are employees to our employer and we made an obligation to you know your teammates to your to your coaches you should i mean you should basically kind of you shouldn't renege that hard on kind of what was expected do you think we can convince one of our friends to try this whole Kyrie thing out at their employer because i don't want to do it because i know i'll get fired but i kind of want to see how this plays out in the real world i i i also i'm not a I'm not that big of a gambler. I like to gamble a little <laughs> bit, but I, I don't. I don't think I could gamble that hard and, and go present to my boss that hey, I think I I, I want to speak up against this, and this is how far I'm willing to take it. And I'm gonna take but, like three months off for fun. So and I'm, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's not just it's just not now. It's he did this last year for dude. It's every year quote, unquote, he's got pers- some personal excuse. reasons. Every year he's got an excuse. Oh, I'm I, I've got this going on. I've got the and, and look, I get it. Some of the time he took off was you know, the George Floyd shootings and, and, you know, the black lives matter. And, and I get that. I completely understand that, but you're, you're in the NBA, your voice, people hear your voice more than they hear most other people's voices. You've got a platform that you can use to express that. Why not go out on the court and, and in your post-game conference, say something or do it on your Instagram or, or whatever. Like so many people follow you and, and worship you, you know, use that as your platform. Absolutely. And and even in when he was taking time off for, for the protests and all being with the family, you would see him at, at nightclubs and, and parties and, and, and stuff as well, like uh, gatherings during COVID, during all these protests. So the story just doesn't always make sense, I think, with Kyrie. Like, I think he wants to be outspoken, but I just don't think it's being handled the best way. And I think he contradicts himself a lot sometimes when... And, and he kind of appeals to the people that he was discrediting before. And it just, it just doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem in the best interest of, uh, of his team as of, or what I think he's should be going for. I think you're right. He could use his, uh, his voice better by going out and having a post-game interview and, and talking about the concerns and how he feels and who needs to be spoken for, but him not being present at all, who are you really speaking for by that? Yeah, I think it. I think it totally sends the wrong message. Um, 
moving on to the uh, to the Western Conference, let's get into a couple of storylines there. I think the big one that I th- obviously the Lakers and and like I said, we'll get to them. But um, this whole DeAndre Ayton situation in Phoenix is it it's it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Philly situation, but with Ben Simmons, right? I think there's not the fact that DeAndre Ayton is is not coming you know to play, but you're you're causing this this stress in your locker room, right? You've got, you know, Devin Booker signed his max. Chris Paul signed his max. They just gave a near max to Mikael Bridges. Uh, and then they also re-signed Landry Shamit. And now you've got DeAndre Ayton, who has improved immensely the last couple of years, uh, who is now sitting there and he's rejected these these offers. And now you there's all these rumblings coming out that, you know, the negotiations weren't really fair, uh, you know, Phoenix's GM, uh, James Jones, came out and said there wasn't really any negotiation. It was a max or or no deal. I think that, again, that puts a lot of stress on um, on a young team, even with a leader like CP3, but especially going into a year where you just made the conference finals and now everybody in your conference is healthy again. I, I think it puts a lot of stress on, on a team like that. I agree. Um what I'm hoping would come out of that is, is all of this just kind of gets tabled until, until it needs to be brought up again. And, you know, they tried to have negotiations or, or half-assed ones. I'm not really sure. I think he wanted a five-year max and I, James Jones came out and said, we didn't really have proper negotiations. So I, I don't know how that all happened in the back back burner, but, Hoping now that the season starts, we can just kind of get to playing basketball, not worrying about the contract negotiations. Hopefully, no holding out. Um, but I, if I if I'm DeAndre Ayton, I I would probably have to stand firm though on on that decision, because if you're getting if you're seeing everybody else get paid, and you know you're their youngest, you know superstar for the future, you want to make sure you're getting taken care of as well. I'm not saying you should affect your teammates by bringing that into the locker room, but having those contract negotiations and and not wanting to bend, I think that's perfectly fine. Um, But hoping, I just hope that he doesn't come and disrupt the team as a whole and becoming more than it needs to be than just a headliner. The other big storyline I think that people are forgetting in, in the Western conference is golden state's potential reemergence, right? We saw golden state, last year with all the injury struggles that they had, um, you know, still get an eight seed and, you know, go into the play in tournament, um, you know, where they eventually lost to your Lakers. Uh, you know, you're talking Steph Curry, uh, you know, the greatest shooter I think we've ever seen. Um, uh, maybe a rejuvenated Andrew Wiggins, you know, who knows, but you still got Draymond. You still have James Weissman, Steve Kerr, still your coach. And then come January, February, you're potentially getting Clay Thompson back from his injury. I mean, they're they're purposely holding him out uh, to make sure that he's you know fully healthy come you know come the end of the season when when the playoff push starts happening. Are are we as NBA fans have we put aside Golden State just because we haven't seen them in the finals you know since Kevin Durant left? I'm not sure we've ever fully discounted them. But yeah, they have been kind of an afterthought more so than a front front running. These guys are going to be in the finals and who is going to play against them in the East. I think the way the NBA has kind of shaped out over the last couple of years since their dynasty 
um, dismantled. I think there's a lot more um, super teams, but not just a massive one that has all the superstars on it. I think the Clippers had one with uh, Kawhi and Paul George before Kawhi's injury. Mm-hmm. I think the Mavericks are on, in the process of trying to build one. They might still be one guy shy of that. You have the Lakers that have a bunch of bunch of old stars, a couple of superstars, and um, and you just have a lot of you just have a lot of balance throughout the NBA. I don't think that you can for sure say that even if Clay Thompson came back and Steph Curry is playing at the level he played at last year and Draymond's Draymond and, and we see some improvements that they're going to be the team that goes to the NBA finals from the West. I think the West has made such balance. You have still have CJ and, and Dame in Portland. You have Joker and, uh, and Jamal in, in Denver. You, you have a bunch of guys, you have a bunch of a good one, two punches throughout the NBA now that I think most of these playoff series should be more than, more than a four game sweep. So I think the fact that you have, Steve Kerr, a pretty good coach. Steph Curry, a seasoned vet. And then hopefully Clay Thompson coming back from an injury that's uh, – or two injuries, really, because he never really got a chance to get off the first one. That's right. Hopefully he comes yeah. back in – yeah. Forgot he ruptured his, ruptured his Achilles and tore his ACL, right? Back yeah, like the worst luck. Like, I think he was – I think he tore his ACL, like, while he was playing pickup ball or practicing or something. Like, it was awful. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's that's always tough to see because because he was I think he had just signed a a max mm-hmm. extension. That's right. Um, but I, hopefully, you know, hope, you ne- he never really took too much from the ball, or or is de- I am hoping his defense stays as good as it was. But I think his offense should be should be just as smooth because he's very he doesn't touch the ball that much, very quick with passes, cuts, and just a quick shooter. So. Hoping to see Clay back at back at how he used to be. Yeah, man, that's the Green thing. Juice. I, I yeah, I think for Golden State, I mean Clay Clay, I'm not worried about his shooting at all. I, I think even as a spot up shooter, he's probably still top five in the league. I mean and and you talked about his cutting and the way he comes off of screens. Um, you know, I think he's gonna be fine in that regard, but he's such an underrated defender that you know, losing that part of him, I think if Golden State can get in in this is it, it's a long shot to say that they're going to get old Clay Thompson back, you know, pre-injury. But we've seen it before. We've seen Kevin Durant come back from a ruptured Achilles and you know just have a crazy monster year last year. So it's not it's not out of the question uh, that it could happen. But I think they need all the dominoes to fall right, and I think they need you know the the old Clay and and arguably the old Draymond um, as well to to make any noise and, and get into you know potentially a top four uh, top four seed in the Western Conference. I, I agree with that. I I don't know if I don't know if the Warriors are back, but I would be always afraid if I had to play them in the playoffs. Oh, for I I remember last year when the Mav, the Mavs were we were struggling to get out of the play in tournament. And it was looking like we're gonna have to play Golden State, and I was like, that that's our season. Like that's if we play Golden State, we'll lose. Like there's no, and we'd beat them a couple times in the year, but I don't want to play Golden State in the playoffs. Like that's the one team that just with that experience and and you know, that moxie that they have, they're, they're always terrifying. Yeah. That's, that's the very similar notion I felt when we, when the Lakers had to play them last year is holding your breath till the last second. <laughs> exactly. You, know, you, got, you got a guy who can shoot the ball from 50 feet at will and uh, you can never count them out. So, 
So, so let's get into to our two favorite teams here, and, and I'm, you know, I'll, I'll have a huge, you know, Mavs season preview coming up uh, in the next couple of days here. Uh, Mavs tip off against Atlanta on Thursday uh, in Atlanta. Uh, meanwhile, your Lakers open up the season tonight against Golden State, of course. Um, you know, I, I look at the Lakers. Is this LeBron versus Curry round fifteen right now? Yeah, it's insane. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah. You know, I look at the Lakers and I look at the Western Conference and, and you guys are the favorites, you know, and as you should be going in, going into the season. Um, you know, Denver missing Jamal Murray for probably the whole year, I think, you know, obviously sets them back a notch. Kawhi being out for the year, I don't think the Clippers do make any noise this year. Um, right. You know, Phoenix, again, is there. I think Utah has improved. Uh, with Rudy Gay coming in, you know, bench scoring and, and defense was a real struggle for them last year. But, um, you know, with the addition of Russell Westbrook, you know, health obviously matters more than anything, right? Uh, you know, if, if if the Lakers can stay healthy, um, you know, with Westbrook in the fold, you bring it, you bring back Trevor Ariza, you bring back Dwight Howard, who was a really important kind of um, uh, rim defending piece that you guys had uh, in JaVale McGee a couple years ago. I don't see any team in the Western Conference that can unseat the Lakers. But again, with with as old as these players are in the injury history that Anthony Davis has, that you know LeBron has had the last couple of years, everything's kind of got to fall, you know, exactly right. And there's got to be, you know, there's got to be all, you know, everything on the health front has to be clear across the board. I think for you guys to get back to the finals, I don't think, uh, I don't think just building a roster guarantees anything in the nba anymore you had you have like a team like the nets and and sure they had some injuries but you know they had a lot of depth on that team they have a lot of old all-stars and 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 superstars and like blake griffin and deandre jordan but even with that they still could have managed to be some teams that are just clicking at the right time and just have the right great mm-hmm. group dynamic and i think that's going to be very crucial um we have we have you know three of the top 10, 15 players on the same squad. But how is Russell Westbrook going to be with ball handling? How is How much does he need to have the ball in his hand? How much can he mesh with LeBron and, and try to co-facilitate the offense? How much is he going to allow rebounders to rebound? And, you know, how, who's going to do what and, and have their roles kind of defined and not kind of just go out there and, 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 you know, play a hero ball or solo ball or whatever it is. I think it's right. going to come down to how, how cohesive can the unit be come May? And, and that's, that's yet to be seen because I don't know, these guys have never really played with each other except for LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. Um, but that, that worked out pretty well a couple of years ago. It, yeah. Yeah. That one, that one worked out. So hoping, hoping to see some similar results, uh, maybe some more lobs and I know uh, Carmelo and Russell played a year together in, in Oklahoma. So maybe they can bring yep. some of that back and get some of their, I mean, I'm really curious to see how the mid range game of Carmelo Anthony and, and Russell Westbrook will is going to be this year. Cause I think that's going to be, you know, another kind of layer into the offensive scheme. Uh, it's too much outside shooting. I don't think has helped the Lakers over the years and, and they kind of go, they kind of rely on it for, for some reason. So I'm hoping that we're trying to bring the ball inside the perimeter and try to make some more mid-range shots and, and try to get the ball into the paint. Yeah, you know, I look at LeBron, and it's funny. I, I kind of think of him as, 
you know, and say what you will about who your who you think the best players are in the league or or of all time, right? I think the consensus among most people is Jordan, LeBron, one, two, in whatever order, right? Whether it's LeBron or Jordan. Um, but I, you know, I, I look at LeBron and I look at Kobe, um, and, and kind of the differing personalities of those two, right? Kobe was, you know, was you know the snake. Kobe was the the, the black mamba, right? I mean, he was the one that was. I don't care who plays with me. I'm, I'm gunning for you. I'm taking the ball. It's my time. Like I'm going to do everything I can to will my team to a title. Even if it means that we finish ninth or 10th in the West and I lead the league in scoring. LeBron has that, that like aura of him where it feels like he can bring together all these pieces of, of, you know, former superstars who either haven't won a title or need another ring or something and, and kind of get them to kind of let their guard down and let that, let their ego, uh, kind of release essentially and and have them kind of mesh together and and i'm i'm I, i'm excited to see how that how that works with with russ and uh, and mellow like you said i think it's a really interesting dynamic but i think lebron bringing all these kind of key pieces together uh it's going to make for really really interesting basketball that's that's a good point yeah i kind of uh view lebron and, and kobe i guess in this in this metaphor as it's kind of like tom brady and aaron Rodgers. you see aaron Rodgers might have some some pieces here and there and he gets some guys and he's always in the offense and always attacking but something about Tom Brady is just a little bit different where it just feels like it flows through him rather than like he's making it happen and I think he brings the same kind of talent around him the way LeBron does because in the in the eyes of everybody these guys have done it countless times they've been LeBron lives in the finals and and Tom Brady has has shattered every record there is in NFL you trust these guys to just figure out a way and, and figure out what to do and figure out what you should do to to come out ultimately as the number one team and I think that has like the intangible difference between players like LeBron and and everybody else yeah I it, it's a it's a gift for sure um you know I, I think you know it's it's something that we haven't seen a lot uh, in the NBA, you know, and people have criticized LeBron for wanting to play with his friends and, and bringing people together. But heck, if it wins you championships, I mean, who cares? At the end of the day, everybody's done it for the last 15, 20 years. So might as well keep up the trend, right? Like who, who cares? Yeah, he, he just, he just does it better than everybody. Exactly. Else. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Lakers barring any major health or injury concerns, I think are, are um, I, I think are, the best team in the Western conference and, and, you know, probably the favorites to get back to the finals from the West. Um, I, I want to get your take on the maths because, you know, we've had a lot of, t- a lot of discussions about what we think the Mavericks are and, 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 you know, bringing in a new coach like Jason Kidd, um, you bring in a couple other key pieces uh, off the bench in Reggie Bullock, Sterling Brown. Uh, I think the Tim Hardaway deal was a steal. Um, there were reports that he got offered, you know, 10, $15 million more and he turned it down to stay in Dallas. Um, I, you know, I think him alongside Luca is a, is a really, really good fit, uh, not just for Luca, but for Hardaway too. I think Hardaway is at his best seasons under Luke, you know, playing alongside Luca. Um, but the key is, is Porzingis, right? I mean, the key has got to be, is, are we going to see the first two years of Chris Ops Porzingis career? Or we're going to see, you know, the knee injury, uh, you know, New York, Nick, uh, you know, Porzingis coming into the season. Yeah, that's. That's going to be the big question here. You guys signed KP to be a complimentary one-two punch with Luca. 
And and maybe he was supposed to be the number one punch at that time, but he just never shaped up to what we saw in New York um, pre the injury. And and Lucas just kind of came out came out the gate running with with everything. So you have you still have a great great center, um, very talented, great shooter. It's just going to be see, interesting to see how he will be defensively, how much he's wanting to be inside the paint. And and how how much he's going to try to make the the offensive game that he once had be more prevalent, because I feel sometimes he just gets a little lackluster watching all these other guys, and I just does I don't feel like he's involved in the offense sometimes. I think he's just there. And oh, present. agree, completely agree. But so I, I, I think <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, and yeah, I just think it's it's going to be a lot of motivation coming from him to want to come back and if if he's kind of at his mental end here then i think it's going to be difficult to get him out of that so i i think it's just a i think at this point it's a mental thing um he knows everybody is talking in this kind of sense he knows the spotlight's going to be mm-hmm. on him he knows the expectations so it's going to be interesting to see if he wants to meet up to that or if he's just content you know playing here until he gets traded somewhere else yeah and and i think him standing around a lot was was more at least in my mind i think it was more coaching than anything else i I think carlisle's scheme just didn't fit him really really well and and i think that got exposed in the playoffs um you know when he literally just had kp stand in a corner and have luca you know do everything i'm hoping Um, kid brings uh his post game back because I know Carlisle Man. didn't want to use his post game at all, and I, if you have a seven three weapon at your disposal that can shoot, I feel like if you're not feeding in fifty percent, then everybody knows that you're just going to shoot or shoot or pass. And it's there's so no element of surprise. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's so infuriating because I and and I don't take too much stock into NBA preseason, but. Um, I watched the Mavs preseason, a couple of preseason games, especially the one against the Clippers, and then the the crazy blowout against um, against the Hornets we had last week. Man, that but, was what was that seventy that points? Was, yeah, that was rough. That was I turned it off in the after the first half because everybody was done playing. They, they were supposed to play starters minutes, and Luca and KP played like like nineteen yeah. minutes. That's, that and was, I was like, if, if we're if if they're starting nineteen minutes, but we're blowing people out by seventy, I'm fine with that. That's okay. It's like our um, old uh, Madden games. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um but uh I mean I'm watching it and the there was one I think it was the Hornets game. KP got the ball at the top of the top of the three-point arc and just launched a shot and missed. And very very subtly you can see him look over the sideline and I don't know if it was that kid or if it was that you know Jared Dudley or one of the assistant coaches but the next three plays man I'm seeing Porzingis flying around the court, you know, and fly I mean, you know, it's like a bicycle compared to a Lamborghini, the way he moves. But, um, you know, it's, I mean, I'm seeing him move a lot more than he did last year. Um, you know, he's getting to the low block. They're clearing out that side of the floor for him. You know, he's taking, you know, those, he's taking those little step back, uh, shots that he does in the post where he's got his back turned and kind of just puts one foot out, steps back and just launches it over the guy because he's so much taller. I mean, he looked good. Um, I think he shot like 59% in the preseason, um, on twos or something like that. Um, but he just, it, it looked a lot more fluid. The offense did, uh, but you're right. It's, it's, it, he's, he's got to get more involved. Kids got to, got to create, um, a good offensive game plan for him. Say what you will about Jason Kidman, but 
when you've got people like Giannis and LeBron and Chris Middleton coming out vouching for you, saying how much they've, how much a coach has helped improve their game, I buy into that a little bit, and I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how the season starts um, and how involved Porzingis is, and and if he can really get off to get off to a good start after finally being healthy in the offseason, not requiring surgery. Yeah, I think you know uh, being a point guard or very a superstar point guard in the NBA, you just have a, a great understanding of how offenses should work and, and what works and what hasn't worked. And kids had no share of, uh, of non, you know, big men on his, on his team. He's had Dirk Nowitzki, he's had Kenyon Martin. Um, he should be able to figure out what, what KP can thrive in and, and where he can really, you know, it would be, whether he can get people in foul trouble, whether he can bring them outside and take them off the dribble, whether he can go on pick and rolls and, and pop out. You should be able to see where KP is most comfortable and, and allow him to play in that. Because I think when you silo him into a one style of play and that style of play is not on for the game, then he's completely checked out. I don't think he has the, or he hasn't shown the want to, you know, adjust or make adjustments throughout the game i think it's it, he's for the last two years in dallas he's kind of had the i'm gonna you know this is what my role is and this is what i'm going to be doing and when it doesn't working then it's kind of it's just a it's a nightmare for dallas yeah he kind of you can see it in his body language right he kind of sulks and he, he looks disinterested yeah and, he's jogging you know. up the court a little bit he's not you know but when when he's when he's on fire or when he's hot you know you can see that he's really into the game he's like getting more involved defensively. Um, I think, I think it's just going to be a lot of keeping uh, emotions checked by kid. Look, yeah. I think if, if Porzingis has the season that I think he will, I think the Mavs could be a top four seed. I I actually think the X factor on the Mavs is going to be Tim Hardaway. If Tim, Tim Hardaway really needs to step up, really needs to step up and, and, and be what he was doing in the playoffs and at a more consistent level. Um, I think he needs to be a guy that the rest of the guys can rely on. Um, you know, if, if he has the ball in the fourth quarter, you know, there should be nobody saying, Oh, well, why does he have the ball? Why doesn't Luke have the ball? Why doesn't KP have the ball? He needs to come out and, and deliver that confidence to the rest of the guys and, and perform at, you know, close to that benchmark of 18, 20 points a game. That's a good point. He can't have games in the middle where he shoots three for 15 and has six points and, you know, horrible PER for the, for the game. It just, he just, that's not going to work for the map, this Mavs team. That's when you see my Twitter, my Twitter account blow up. Cause I'm, you know, semi cursing out to Marta Jr. After he just threw down like 45 points. Yeah. And the next night he goes like three of 18 I'm like, what is happening? Like, he's, why, he's, why does he do this? Yeah, he's he's got to he's got to lower that polarized range into, hey, my 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 floor is 12 points, my ceiling is 22 points. You you know you don't need to have 40 points from him. You need to have consistency, and you need to have him, you know, shoot the ball well when it matters, because he's going to have the ball a lot in those situations. Because I I can't imagine the Mavs just blowing out teams. So I, in those you know deep into the fourth quarter moments, um, he's going to be there. And when Luca feeds him or finds him, he's he's got to hit those shots. I think that's going to be very important for the Mavs win loss ratio this year. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, let's uh, let's get into some award predictions and our our championship predictions. Uh, you down for that, buddy? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so I'm going to start with MVP, and and you can help explain this a little bit better because I know nothing about this, but it's MVP odds as per VegasInsider.com. So if it's if somebody's okay. plus twenty five hundred, tell me what that means. Tell explain to me how how I should read that. So if if you're if you're a better and you go to Vegas and you want to bet on somebody who's plus twenty five hundred, if you put a hundred dollar bill, you'll get twenty five hundred dollars back. Got it. Okay. If they win, then I get the twenty five hundred back. Plus my hundred, yeah. or is it so just twenty four hundred? Plus your plus plus yeah plus your hundred. Okay. Plus your you get your hundred dollar bet back, and then you get twenty five hundred on top from from Las Vegas. Okay. So I'm going to give you the top five. Um, MVP odds right now. So let's see. Steph Curry is fifth at plus 900. Okay. Giannis at plus 800. KD okay. and Joel Embiid at plus 700 and Luca at plus 400. Wow. That's, that's actually very, very interesting. I'm, I'm very surprised to hear uh, Joel in that, in that conversation. The thing about MVP is, it's no longer who's the most, who's the best player. It's valuable is a very loose term. Mm-hmm. It's whose team did the best and how well did you do on that team? Because you could be an eighth seed and average 50 point or ninth seed and average 50 points a game, but you're still likely not going to win MVP. Right. But if you're, but if you're, you know, if your team is 68 and, and uh, 14, and you know you're averaging 28 points a game, and you know your efficiency looks good. You're gonna you're gonna win. So you might not be the best overall player in the NBA, but you're you're the best overall player on the best overall team. And I can't imagine the Sixers being that. Right, I agree. So of those five, give me the one out of those five that you would pick, and then give me one dark horse, and I'll tell you what their odds are. Okay, um, I like out of that list. I like Giannis. I think plus eight hundred is is pretty good value for him right there. Um, he looks he looks great coming out of the off season. Um, probably well rested. Uh, his jump shot looks 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 dangerous. It's scary. Um, if he gets a jump shot, if, my god. And you know, at the end in the finals and um, and the, the Eastern Conference finals, I feel like he was hitting his free throws a lot better than the first half of the playoffs. So if he mm-hmm. made any kind of improvements to that, where you can stop hacking him when he's down in the low post, then, I mean, I think he can get 35, 40 points a game if he can shoot the way he shoots now. Which would be just a terror for the rest of the NBA because I don't think there's anybody that can stop him. Yeah, well, I'm glad the, I'm glad the Lakers play in the West. So <laughs> exactly. You only have to see him twice and and maybe in the finals. <laughs> I, I think out of that list, and I, I said Kevin Durant before the whole Kyrie thing. Uh-huh. Um. I, 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 Kevin, I think Kevin Durant's the best player in the NBA. Um, I agree with that. Including Giannis, including LeBron, you know, all these guys. I, I got to think Dame wins an MVP someday, right? I mean, w- I mean, when is it going to be, right? It's just, I, I guess to your point, Portland's just got to be better and Portland's got to move up in the, in the standings. But he's at plus 1,100 right now. That was going to be my, that was going to be my dark horse. What I, uh, the last couple of games, of you know of the trailblazer season last year was just uh just some monumental performances from damian lillard i think he scored 21 out of the last 23 mm-hmm. points in one of the games and and they lost but 
he was just, I don't know, every time he had the ball, you just knew it was going in. And yeah, something, something's got to give. He's, he's easily been one of the top 10 players in the NBA for, for at least half a decade now. And is always, you know, just has the same benchmark uh, range as, as Steph Curry does, but, you know, gets less of the, less of the credit, less of the praise because, you know, nobody's doing anything in Portland. They're, they're not advancing anywhere in the playoffs and they're just not, they're not getting in the finals. They're not, they don't have enough eyes or spotlight on them. And it's, it's just hard to pick a guy whose team is barely getting into the playoffs to, to win MVP. But, you know, I'm hoping that this year, you know, they get a little bit more, you know, smoothness and and win some more games than they usually have in the past. So I, I like, I like that pick. Funny stat about the, uh, MV, NBA MVP award. International players won the award three straight seasons. You're gonna bank on a fourth. I mean, Giannis is. Luca, I mean, Luca, Luca. That's four to one. I, I'm dude. trying that's, to hold that's back. A pretty heavy favorite right there. <laughs> you know me. I'm trying to hold back and saying Luca because I as I think he will win one eventually. I mean, within the next like oh yeah three years, right? I, I think sure he's he's on pace to to definitely win an MVP award. I think he will. I just. The Mavericks really have to have that kind of collective season and be a top, maybe even three seed for for Luca to get you know consideration. I think at the MVP because I because I, I think Milwaukee is going to be great. You know, obviously, and Giannis is going to put up his normal twenty seven, twenty eight a game. Uh, Luca's going to do the same thing. But if if his free throw shooting improves, if his three point shooting improves, if the Mavericks improve as a whole and are you know not only fighting for positioning in the playoffs, because I don't think that's going to happen, but if we're anything less than a four seed, I don't think Luca finishes higher than third or fourth on the MVP ballot. Right. I agree because the people that the other players that are one, two and three on either conference, they're all the guys that we already mentioned, you know, they're the Kevin Durant's they're the Giannis's they're the, you know, LeBron is still still in the NBA, so it's never completely discounted. And this could be a, a and, big FU season from LeBron too, right? I mean, LeBron could just come out and be like, "I'm taking over." And and you know, I I talked to somebody the other day, and I said I could see LeBron leading the league in assists. Like it would not shock me right. to see him just just start throwing 10, 11, 12 assists a game. And and you know he's always going to get his you know twenty five or whatever he needs. Oh yeah. Um, so that that's a. I think he did lead the league in assists a couple of years ago, um, or it was very close. Maybe the shortened season. I think he had double-digit assists. I almost had a triple-double Russell oh, wow. Westbrook style. That but um, would not shock me at all. Um, but yeah, Luca's uh, free throw also needs to drastically improve. I know we, I know we dog on Giannis a lot, but you know, Luca, Luca misses a very important free throws, especially in the playoffs. Um, and it's and it's hard when your ball handler. Your primary ball handler is, you know, getting fouled 10, 12 times a game and, and you know, shooting 60% from the free throw line. It's it, it puts you in a nervous position. Yeah, I mean, you're leaving six, seven points on the board, um, you know, every game. That's That can swing it, you know. I mean, you're talking, especially yeah. depending on who you're playing, two quick threes and that other team's right back in it. So, um, right, yeah, MVP race will be, will be interesting to see. Sixth man of the year, we've got top five, Jordan Clarkson, Kevin Herter from Atlanta, Patty Mills, Joe Ingles, and Tyrese Halliburton are the top five contenders, uh, according to Vegas, for sixth man of the year. I Until somebody takes it away from Jordan Clarkson, I'm just going to keep giving it to him, I think. Yeah, that was, uh, that's immediately who I thought of when I heard uh, sixth man of the year. So, uh, I mean... I think Utah Utah's got a lot of mixing and matching on their on their bench. 
And I think Jordan Clarkson is in the game plenty as a non-starter. I think it's just going to be hard with their system for him not to win it again. Uh, Defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, for some reasons, I mean, I, get, I guess Ben Simmons is on this list, but depends, I think, where he goes. and if, He's got to play, he he's gotta play basketball. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Miles Turner's on this list as a top five contender, um, wow. which is kind of surprising to me. Joel Embiid and then Anthony Davis. Giannis is all the way down at sixth or seventh uh, for defensive player of the year odds. Again, same thing with six man of the year, right? I think Gobert is is because he just sits there and blocks shots all game. Um, I, I, until somebody takes it away from him, I'm going to keep handing it to him. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my boy as long as he can stay and and play 65, 70 plus games. I like I like Anthony Davis to win it this year. I think he got robbed a couple of years ago. I think he played fantastic defense the year that they won the championship. And I think uh, I think Giannis got it that year. But yeah, I think I think he's deserving of one. I don't think he's won one yet. And, um, and I don't know. Rudy Gobert is starting to get exposed by some of these centers like uh, like Jokic. So mm-hmm. you're going you're gonna to have to start discounting, you know, somebody who just sits in the paint waiting for blocks to happen at 7-3 or whatever he is. I'm, I'm going to take Andy Davis there. And the one guy that... Jokovic plays great against everybody except Anthony Davis. It's hilarious because, like, he's got, if you look at his numbers, he's like phenomenal, even on defense against other centers in the NBA. But then when he plays Anthony Davis, he just gets manhandled every time. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because it's hard to, it's hard to have Joker's number there. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a phenomenal talent. Um, okay, last one here scoring champion odds. Top five Bradley Beal, Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, and Joel Embiid. The NBA is really valuing Joel Embiid this year. Um, yeah, apparently. I, I I don't know when these were updated. I mean, this is Vegas Insider, so this might have been, you know, before all the Ben Simmons drama. But even if Simmons is gone, I mean, what, Tobias Harris is going to pick up the slack? No, I think they just feed, they keep feeding Embiid, right, at that point? Yeah. Yeah, they have to. I mean, but but the other problem is how many games is he playing? You know, this injury is always a, is a relative concern. That's so. true. Uh, let's see. What do I like out of that list? You know, I, I think I'm going with Kevin Durant. I'm going to take an outside oh. pick right here. Yeah. I think his efficiency at scoring is just, is just so ridiculous. And I think the nets are, are going to, are going to be in some down situations, uh, pretty decent amount of time just because they're what they have in offense. They sometimes lack in defense. And so I think he's going to have to shoot the ball a lot to win games. So I, I like, I like Kevin Durant here. Should call your bookie and place the bet. He's plus twenty five hundred, man, for scoring right. champ odds. Yeah, fly my ticket out there. That's a. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I'm gonna go with Dame, man. I, I think Dame plus seven hundred. Um, I think the situation in Portland is is still not good. They'll be a playoff team, but they'll be you know either playing tournament or or right there at the bottom. Um, you know him and McCollum just clearly doesn't work, and they didn't really add anybody of value. Uh, that's going to help that team. Uh, this is potentially his last year in Portland. I mean, I see them, you know, probably moving on at this point if they can't advance, uh, you know, to the finals at least or even to the conference finals. Um, but I, I think he does everything in his power, like he always does, uh, to to keep them afloat and and make sure that they're winning games. Yeah, that was that. I like that pick a lot as well. I can definitely see a lot of offense coming out of Dame this year um, to keep them competitive. So. Should be a fun season. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, man. 
we're gonna we're gonna lock in our, our predictions right now for the NBA Finals uh, for the 2021-2022 NBA season. Uh, it's gonna be recorded here live on the podcast. We'll go back and and we'll verify uh, once the season's over. But tell me who you got coming out of the Eastern Conference. I I got I got Brooklyn. I think I think they're gonna figure out a way. Um, I I believe Kyrie is coming back. I don't see Kyrie not playing a single game in the Nets uniform this year. Um, so, and, and if they can stay healthy, give me the best player in the world. Um, I'll take in Kevin Durant in the Nets. My only concern with Brooklyn, other than Kyrie, is their depth. They, they, the loss of Landry Shamit, I think, hurts them more than folks realize. I, the pickup of Patty Mills is really crucial, especially with Kyrie out, because Patty Mills has that championship pedigree. Uh, like Kevin Durant does. Um, I don't know how good LaMarcus Aldridge is going to be uh, coming back from his heart, you know, complications. Um, thank God he's okay, though. Um, yep. Bruce Brown is is really inconsistent. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I say all that, and then I'm just going to say I agree with you because I'm not discounting. I'm not going against the best player in the world who seems to be on a mission. And I will say this, James Harden at point guard last year for Brooklyn – looked a lot better than James Harden at shooting guard. Um the way he ran the I, offense. I think James, I think James I think James Harden as a facilitator is is one of the top three players in basketball because he's so dangerous. He can he can literally do anything he wants. I mean he was he can shoot, he can score, he can pass, he can he can cut, he can literally take dissect a defense. And and when you don't have to shoot the ball the volume that he had to shoot the ball in Houston, it makes him so much scarier. Yeah, and much more efficient too, because in in Houston he's wildly inefficient, right? We saw eighteen for like thirty eight games, you know, every couple of days, and it was like, you know, it was really hard to kind of fathom how he was getting MVP voting at that time. But a lot more efficient as a point guard last year. It sets up Durant, I think, a little bit better. Kyrie has only averaged or has never averaged more than six assists um, in a season, uh, which is kind of mm. it's it's a mind boggling stat to be honest, but. Yeah, I mean, Harden as a facilitator is amazing. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'll take Brooklyn um, to come out of the East. Uh, but I think it'll be a close battle with Milwaukee. I think those two are clear-cut ahead of ahead of both teams um, in the NBA, I uh, agree. in the Eastern Conference. Uh, 1A, 1B. Yeah, and, and I think my my sleeper team, if you will, is, gonna, is probably Miami. I think Kyle Lowry on that team is – it adds another dimension to them. It's the point guard that they were they were lacking. Um but I think it's going to come down to their bench, and if Tyler Hero can can have the season he had a couple of years ago uh, in the bubble when they made the finals. Um, but but yeah, I mean that's the one team I think could could potentially you know knock one of those guys out. But if if Miami can't, then then I think we see another Golden State and Milwaukee rematch in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah, Miami's got a lot of grit to them. I can see them making some noise. Um, and then in the West, I mean the West obviously I have the Lakers. Um, but man, I, I I've struggled with who I think is the second best team in the West because I I think Phoenix has a drop off a little bit. I don't think they are as good as last year. I think you kind of get that that you know hangover a little bit from making the finals, and then you've got the DeAndre Ayton situation. Um, Vegas has Golden State as the fourth best odds to win the championship, which is again just a crazy stat to me. Um, I think I'm going to go Utah. I mean, I would go Denver if Jamal Murray was healthy, uh, but without Jamal Murray, Denver's not as lethal as, as they can be. 
Um, but Utah seems like they've got all the pieces, especially with Rudy Gay uh, coming in to kind of solidify their bench. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell is is basically another. It looks like a younger Dwayne Wade. Uh, you know, I think it'll. I think they're going to be a really really good team and could could probably vie for the number one seed again. Yeah, I mean they're they're so not flashy, but they're always kind of in the hunt. They're always in that you know, four or five mix. And now they kind of made the leap last year to, you know, the number one team in the West. Um, I, I also like Denver a lot, but, you know, without with the uncertainty of Jamal Murray playing this season, I don't know how much Joker can do by himself there. Um, obviously, I'm going to take the Lakers to to come out of the, the West. But, you know, if, if it weren't for the Lakers, I, I probably, I'd probably take the Suns again. You know, they just have a lot of, you know, Chris Paul is just a, is such a difference maker. And, and you know, with the team that they got with Booker and, and Aiton, hopefully without any issues and all those other young guys, they just have a lot of – they have a lot of offensive firepower and they have a lot of grit on defense. Um, I think they can make a push, a strong push again this year. Yeah. Uh, so we both got Brooklyn and L.A. in the finals. Who do you have winning? <sighs> Man, this is tough. This is tough. Uh I'm going to take. Uh, I'm going to take Brooklyn and seven. I'm going to take Brooklyn and seven there. Brooklyn and seven. Yeah. I just. Um, I, I'm not sure how well the Lakers would match up with Brooklyn at at full power. Um, so I'm, this is all based off of it, you know, Brooklyn being healthy and oh, of and course, they having their 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 whole set of guys. Um, and no crazy offseason or midseason trades, but yeah, as as current rosters are, Kyrie's playing. I, I think Brooklyn Brooklyn wins in seven. Yeah, I what mean, you, you know, I had Brooklyn too, but I think I'm gonna take the Lakers. I, I don't know why. I just, wow. I just, the addition of Russell Westbrook to me is it's. It's kind of like the Chris Paul addition to Phoenix. You know, obviously Chris Paul's a better point guard, I think. Um, you know, but but Russell just adds another element to that Lakers team. And I think if LA wasn't hurt last year, they were they were gonna make the finals anyway. And I, I will never discount out LeBron James the same way I don't discount out Tom Brady. Um, you know, if they're if they're there, I'm gonna give them the odds. But I think everything is in place for the Lakers to make the title run. They've got the depth now that they were lacking the three point shooting could use some help obviously, but man, you put LeBron AD Westbrook and then you throw in guys like Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony. Uh, I just, I think, I think this is the year again that, that they come in and they probably get a two or a three seed, you know, they coast a little bit in the Western conference and then just, just turn it on completely in the playoffs. Um, I still think it goes seven games, but, uh, but I do, I do think the Lakers win. Well, you know, it might depend on what kind of shoe Kevin Durant's wearing. You know, size <laughs> exactly. it down. You know, it could just come down to that. So, hey, I mean, I think those are both good picks. It's it, Russell Westbrook's obviously so dynamic, such an athlete. Um, it'll, it's just going to be really interesting to see how he just meshes with with LeBron James and company. So, I'm hoping for the best. Um, but yeah, we can, we should, we should touch base again in a you know, you know, month or two and see how the season's going and and see how our picks are looking. Yeah, man, for sure. Thanks uh, thanks for hopping on the podcast today, Jay. I really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate it being on, man. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye. 
That's it for this episode of Metroplex Mania. Once again, I'm your host, Shanavaz Makani. Please be sure to subscribe via Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Until the next episode, see you guys later.